Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Fusion! Hey! Good evening. It's good to see you guys. You guys enjoying yourselves so far tonight? Anybody happy that the Lord is here with us? I am too. All right, so we have been in a series called Kingdom. Has anybody been learning anything? That's the goal. It's for us to learn when we come here, specifically to learn about Jesus. It's why we gather. And this particular series, I think I've been saying this for the last few series, but man, this has been changing my life. And I've been teaching even as I've been learning and teaching as I'm walking these things out. And this concept of the kingdom has been revolutionizing the way that I approach my relationship with Jesus. Can anybody attest to that for themselves? Has it been changing anything in your life? Okay. A little bit. So if you haven't been with us, I just want to share with you a few points of what we've been talking about over the past few weeks. Uh, We've been in this series called Kingdom, and we started off talking about the fact that Jesus did not arrive on earth to announce a new religion. He arrived on earth and announced the arrival of the kingdom of God. And so we learned that a kingdom is a territory ruled by, can you guess? A king. A territory ruled by a king. God created the heavens and the So we are a part of the territory created by and ruled by God. You guys are good. Second, the arrival of the kingdom is good news. This is good news for us. We talked about the process, you know, equating it to gentrification and how I shared my story about growing up in Long Island, New York, and hearing all these stories about this dreaded place called Brooklyn. And as a kid, just thinking this was like the worst place ever, and now it's like the hottest place to go live in New York. You can go have brunch and eat froyo and ride bikes. It's awesome because people have come in, changed the environment, changed the atmosphere, built it up, and made it a more hospitable place to live. And we talked about the fact that Jesus wants to do the ultimate gentrification process here on earth. We are still a part of his kingdom. We are a part of his domain that has gone a little left. We become a little hood, if you will. (laughs) And somebody has to come in and build this up Fix it up a little bit. Make it a little safer. As Jesus would say, make it holy. And so Jesus arrived on earth and was saying, I've come here to establish my kingdom. This is good news. I want to fix this place. The arrival of the kingdom of God fixes what is broken. 
and makes all that is wrong right again. We saw that because when he healed the sick, he said, the kingdom of God has come near you. When he freed people from oppression of demons, he said, the kingdom of God has come near you. He didn't say a new religion has arrived. He said, the kingdom of God has come near you. But we have to choose a side. Last, last week we talked about if we live in the kingdom, we must operate in the economy of the kingdom, that there are resources available to us as citizens of the kingdom of God that we are to live in pursuit of, that we are not to pursue the resources here that are temporal, that are going to burn up, as Jesus says. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where things get destroyed, thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. You know how moths will eat through your clothes. He's saying, don't store up for yourselves treasures where things get destroyed, but there's actually a place where nothing can get destroyed, and it's called heaven. And the reason that heaven is a place that things are not getting destroyed is because heaven is still operating under the perfect will of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and both were operating under his will. And so there was nothing wrong with earth. God was walking around on earth just like he walks around in heaven. But when we sinned, we separated ourselves and then created a a not-so-good environment for God to dwell in, uh, a sinful environment, if you will. And so tonight, I want to talk about one of the most important aspects of a kingdom. One of the most important aspects to understand about a kingdom is who the king is. Because that determines everything about the kingdom. And so the title of tonight's message is Jesus is King. Maybe some of you guys have heard that uh, there's an artist. What? Eh? Kanye West. He's coming out with an album called Jesus is King. And though I may not agree with uh, everything that Kanye West represents, or nor am I putting my stamp on his ministry, I do think that it's a very appropriate time to come out with an album called Jesus is King. I don't know what's gonna be on that album, but I do think that it's a very appropriate title because the truth is, Jesus is King. And he could have said Jesus is Lord, he could have said Jesus is Savior, but I feel like God is putting on public display whether I wouldn't necessarily put a, a brand new saved person on the platform to run a ministry. However, if you're in front of all these people, I think that God is sending a message just like he's been stirring in me over these past few months of something that he wants us to understand and he'll do it through multiple different ways. And because he is sovereign, he can get his message out however he wants to. And one of the messages that he wants us to understand right now, and I mean right now, this very moment in October, of 2019 is that he is king. And, that when we, and when we understand that, we will be able to approach him properly. And one of the most important things that we can understand about a king is the concept of authority. And so we're gonna talk about that tonight. If you'll bow your heads, I wanna pray for us. God, we thank you for bringing us here tonight to hear from you. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place, Lord. Decrease me and increase in me, Lord, so that you can speak to your people. Lord, give me insight, revelation, wisdom to share, specific situations to address. Lord, speak to the hearts 
of your people tonight so that we can know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So we looked at, in the beginning, the first message that we did in this series was called The Time Has Come. Because Jesus, the first thing that he said when he arrived on the scene was, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. So we talked about the first thing he said. I want to talk about one of the last things that he said. So he said that when he shows up, coming out the wilderness, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, about to change the world. And he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. After he does three years of ministry, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing all these things nobody had ever seen before to prove that he was God, he submits himself to crucifixion, even though he was innocent and is falsely arrested, falsely accused, and ultimately unjustly executed. But then he gets about the grave. Plot twist. Gets up out the grave. It's crazy. If you read the story, there's an angel that comes down, looks like lightning, rolls the stone away, is sitting on the stone. And when people come, he's like, why are you looking for Jesus? He's not here. Go look at where he was laying down. And you see the, the clothes folded up. Jesus just got up like, all right. <laughs> Mission accomplished. So he resurrected, and then when he shows up to his disciples, he says something powerful and something that we need to understand. He said in Matthew 28, 18, it says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, this is still alluding to this concept of a kingdom. This is something that we need to understand. He didn't come and say, hey, I died so that your sins were forgiven, even though that was true, because that wasn't necessarily what they needed to understand at that moment. What they needed to understand before he was commissioning them to do the work of the kingdom was they needed to understand who was in control. And so Jesus comes and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So we're gonna explore this tonight. First, I wanna dive into what is authority. Authority is the freedom to decide or a right to act without hindrance. Freedom to decide or the right to act without hindrance. Nobody can stop you. You have freedom to decide what you wanna decide, to do what you want to do. And Jesus comes and says, all, say all, Say it again. All. All all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Everywhere that you can think of, I'm running it, is what he's saying. And he proves that by taking power over death. He comes back resurrected from the grave. Do you understand how revolutionary this is? Have you ever seen anybody die, and not for like three minutes, three days, dead, buried in a tomb, gets up, folds their clothes? You're right. (laughs) Have you ever seen somebody resurrect? 
No, and nobody else has, and nobody else had. So he shows up resurrected and says, all authority, all power to decide, all power to act in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We looked at in the first message where scripture says that the world is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Jesus is saying, that's me. That is I. I am the Lord. I am king. I have all authority. And so the interesting thing is we struggle with authority. Would you agree? Some of y'all struggle with authority in the fact that you, don't, you didn't even answer that question because you don't like being told what to do. You want to run everything. I'm not answering that question. I got authority over my right to answer. Authority is a very important concept for us to understand, and it's very hard for us to submit to because authority requires submission on somebody's part. And so if somebody has the right to decide, that means somebody doesn't. Are you following? That means if Jesus is saying all rights to decide, all freedom to act in heaven and on earth, that means you can't even go to heaven and do what you want to do. has been given to Jesus. But the great thing that we've explored over these past few weeks is how good God is. Somebody's gotta be in charge and it's actually better that he's in charge than we are because we are very flawed individuals. We're biased. We're a lot of times led by our emotions, our circumstances, our limited perspective. But this is God who has nothing but good intentions. God is goodness, God is love. And he's saying he's in charge and he has the right to act and the right to decide. And he has all authority everywhere that you could set foot. And that's a good thing. And that's why we said the arrival of the kingdom is good news. But all of us have an authority that we submit to in our lives. Whether you acknowledge it or not, everyone has an authority that they submit to. You, my friend, have an authority that you submit to. It might be you, and your choices, your opinion, your perspective. It might be other people and their suggestions. It might be somebody who you think is very wise but is not Jesus, or it might be Jesus, or it might be Jesus sometimes, and in some situations. And then the authority in your life could be split depending on the situation or the circumstance. These are a lot of the things that we're dealing with. But we are challenged with the issue of authority. I'm challenged with the issue of authority. Why? Because we all have desires and things that we want to do. And on a daily basis, we are faced with the decision of who gets to run things on a daily basis, no matter where you're going, when you walk into the grocery store. For me, especially as a pastor, here's an interesting thing about being a pastor, is you don't always get to choose when you pastor people, right? So there are plenty of times where I feel like, you know what? In this time, in this particular context, I do not want to pastor. 
anybody right now. I don't want to pour out. I don't want to give anybody any advice. I don't want to pray for anyone right now. I want to relax. And there are times when I'm feeling that way. And then a situation arises. And I feel this tug. Here's a little voice saying, pastor them. (laughs) And I sometimes resist with all of my might. Pastor them. Be a shepherd of the sheep. And sometimes I listen. Most of the times, I would say. Sometimes I don't. Can I be honest? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes, for instance, give you an example. I was in the mall a few weeks ago looking in a store. This old lady comes up to me, just starts talking about the most random stuff. I mean, the most random. She starts talking about a coat that was over here and how it had fur on it and how she grew up. She thought it was a dog. It was so random. She was like, I thought it was a dog over here, but it's a coat. I thought you were holding a dog. I'm just standing there. I thought you were holding a dog and... I came over here to check it out. I promise you this is a true story. I'm not making this up. There's a coat, fur on it. She thinks it's a dog, comes over, starts a conversation, talking about how she grew up in the country where they didn't let dogs in the house, only yard dogs. Then she starts talking about how they had to keep the inside clean and how her mom was real like strict about that. She's like, even if you don't live in a nice house, you can keep it nice. I mean, just... And I'm over here like, this is so random, maybe God wants me to do something or say something. But everything in me is just waiting for her to finish to be like, yeah, yeah that's, that's crazy. Good riddance. That's everything in me is just laugh and say that's crazy and leave. But there's a a voice in me saying, maybe this is a moment where you're supposed to do something. And, And I think it's those little moments a lot of times that especially us as Christians who, you know, we're following the Lord. We're out here. We're going to church. We're reading our Bible. We're praying. A lot of times those are the situations where it's like, Does God have authority in every area of your life, even to tell you to pray for somebody when you don't feel it's convenient? Because the crazy thing is, even in that situation, I'm feeling like, man, maybe I should ask her if she needs prayer for something. Because she's just a nice old lady, and she it seems like she's over here for a reason. The reason, I have no idea what it is, but there's got to be some reason taking place for her to be over here. And so I didn't. I didn't ask. But then she starts talking about God out of nowhere. I mean, she goes from like talking about how you should keep the house clean to then saying, you know, we're all going to have to stand before the Lord. I'm like, whoo. Maybe she was sent here to pray for me. I don't know what's happening. 
I didn't inquire any further though. I continued on with my mall experience. The issue is that we don't always submit to God's authority. And that's an example of me not getting it right. There are plenty of times where I do make myself available, but it's just an example of God having authority. But all right, so anyway, I didn't plan to tell that story, but it was so random. It was interesting, but a, but a perfect example in my eyes for me personally, as somebody who's continually doing ministry and feeling like I'm doing this, you know, fairly well. Um, and I could easily say, yes, Jesus is Lord of my life. He has authority. He's king. But then in these instances, am I allowing him to direct me and to guide me because that's what he's wanting? God has created human beings to live under his authority, not just sometimes, but all the time. We're created for that. We're actually not created to go about life on our own, to figure this thing out on our own, to come up with our own ideas of what success is, our own ideas of what significance is, uh, and our own plan for our lives, because it's just not our role. Like you actually, I I say this fairly frequently, but I hope it actually resonates with you. Um, Who in here created themselves? Like you were like, I want to exist. Let me create myself. Anybody? No, right? Who in here determined how tall you are? Some of you wish you did. It's okay. Nobody in here determined what they look like, even what kind of food they like. It's you like you can't control that. It's just you just eat it and you just find out if you like it or not. You don't actually get to choose. There's so little that we actually have control over in life. It's actually somewhat disturbing. And I think that's why we try to focus on what we can control and we try to control the things we can't control. We are not created to be in control. God created us to be under his authority. God said, let me create human beings in my image so that they can manage what I've created, not so that they could just do their own thing. And we were created to be in relationship with God and in a healthy relationship with God. Just like when children are born to parents, there's an inherent understanding there that the parent has the authority in that relationship. Sometimes we see in society that it's flip-flopped and that it seems like the children have the authority in the home. And I think it's leading to some, you know, not so great things in our society. But nobody would really argue that parents should have authority in their homes. Now, not everybody's had the greatest parents. Not everybody is the greatest parent. And so that's an unfortunate situation. However, the reality is parents, it's just kind of understood. You've created your children and they're little and vulnerable and they don't know a ton. And it's your responsibility to take care of them, to nurture them and you have a place of authority in their lives. That's why if something's going wrong with your children, if they're a little kid, nobody goes to the little kid and blames the little kid. They go to you as the parent. Why? Because you have a responsibility, you have authority. God has created us 
to be under his authority. And when we get outside of that, we actually mess a lot of stuff up. Like when, when man, you see them. You see the little kids. You see the little kids. You know a little kid right now in your mind that needs some better authority in his or her life. It may not be their fault. It's their authority's fault. And that's why God steps in and says, Yo, I need to take back control of this situation because it's getting out of hand. And this is ultimately my responsibility because these are my children that I've created. And so when we go left, God comes to fix it. But he comes to fix it, not to leave us where we were, not to leave us to our own devices, to make our own decisions. He has all authority, all right to decide, all power to act, the freedom to act out what he wants to do because he has the authority. Jesus, Jesus said something fascinating. I, I don't think I ever understood this scripture in this way. I've actually looked at this scripture a lot and I've always ref- like thought about it from the perspective of Jesus wanting to have a relationship with us and talking about those who don't. But there's an interesting term that Jesus uses in this scripture that I'm about to read that I want us to pay attention to. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Did he say enter the religion of Christianity? No, he said we'll enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, referring to the judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And so the reality is, I've always focused on the I never knew you. And that's true because Jesus is talking about people who are acting on his behalf and not having a relationship with him. But he specifies what kind of relationship we are supposed to have. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So not everybody who calls me king will enter the kingdom. Why? Because I'm not king of everybody's life. And so that word that he uses there is kurios, the Greek. And it means a person exercising absolute ownership rights. So not everyone telling me that I have access and ownership of their life is going to enter into my kingdom because not everybody telling me I have ownership is actually giving me ownership. We have to understand this. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we actually have to give God authority in our lives. We have to give him access. We have to give him ownership of our lives. And that is the submission that we are to walk in as Christians. Why? Because we are not a part of a religion following a book. We are a part of a kingdom following a king. So we have to understand who the king is and we have to submit ourselves to the king. And if we don't understand this concept, but we plan to go to heaven, if you don't understand that Jesus is king, but you plan on going to heaven, what are you gonna do when you get there? Because Jesus is king in heaven. 
absolute authority in heaven. Absolute authority. So we have to start that here. God says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we need to give God absolute authority on earth as he has in heaven. How many of you guys believe heaven is a good place? You wanna know why it's a good place? Because God has absolute authority. You wanna know when your life will be a good life? When God has absolute authority. And by good, I don't mean that nothing negative will happen to you. Because Jesus says to his disciples, he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, take courage. I have overcome the world. He says, peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. And I do not give as the world gives. I was having a lunch with a friend of mine uh, last week, and he is currently, you know, doing his celebrity thing, influencer thing. He's moving in a lot of, you know, higher circles and all that stuff on TV now and all that. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about was this concept. And I'm asking him, what is your relationship with God like? Because that actually determines whether you have peace or not. And it opened up the conversation that I, that I wish a lot of us would understand more as we're striving to get access, as we're striving to get influence, as we're tri- striving to get finances, we're striving to get the resources of this world. And a lot of us don't realize that the resources of this world don't include the resources of the kingdom. And so one of the resources of the kingdom is peace. That so many people who have every resource in this world cannot find. And that's one of the things that we talked about. Izzy's like, yeah, man, like that's all I want is peace. And I don't see anybody in my industry with it. He's like, seriously, like your favorites are hurting behind the scenes. Why? Because they have all the resources that moth and rust destroy and that thieves break in and steal, but not the resources that last, like peace, like healing. These are the resources that we have access to as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, as sons and daughters of the king that are priceless. And a price was paid for us to have access to those. And the person who paid the price is also the one who deserves the authority in our lives to tell us what to do, how to operate, how to access those resources, what to do with them, what to do with your life. The giftings, the talents that you have were given to you given to you, given to you by the one who has authority. So why would we take what's given to us and not give the person who gave it to us authority to tell us what to do with it? I want to talk a little bit about what Scripture says about the authority of Jesus Because when we understand this concept, I'm talking about it from the lens of our personal lives and Jesus having authority over us, but his authority spans much more than that. When you understand this concept, it has to start with you, but when you understand and you give God authority in your life, you're able to exercise the authority that he gives you, and that's what we're going to talk about next week, because he has authority over everything. And so the challenges that you're facing, the giants that you're up against, 
David. We know, we know about David and Goliath, but David didn't show up there and say, who is this Philistine talking to me? He said, who is this Philistine that would dare defy the armies of the living God, the God of Israel? It was an understanding of who has authority. And so when this little shepherd boy comes up and kills this war-trained giant, it was with faith that was inspired by knowledge of who has authority. And so he stepped in, not saying, I'm so skilled, I'm so amazing, but saying, I know who has authority here. And it's not you. It's the king of kings. So I don't care who your king is. But I know the king of kings. Does anybody understand who the king of kings is? Does anybody understand that there are giants that you face in your life? There are obstacles that you face in your life. But when you know who is in authority, you're able to take authority over those things by the authority that he gives you. But if he doesn't have authority over you, how can you expect him to exercise authority over the situations and circumstances in your life. Does that make sense? Colossians 1.13 says, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He has rescued us from the dominion, the domain, the control, the authority of darkness, meaning there is an authority of darkness that God has rescued us from that what's taking place in our world, in our culture, in our society is not just human beings being human beings, but also a spiritual realm acting out the authority that they've been given, the temporary authority that they've been given to run crazy on this earth. But he's rescued us and brought us into the kingdom under the rulership, under the authority of the son of God. Colossians 1.15 says, the son, after he says that he's brought us into the kingdom of the son, he says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He is king for a reason because he was here before everything. He created everything and he holds everything together. He is above everything. Ephesians 1.20 says he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things, say all things, all things under his feet. And so Jesus has authority over everything. So if Jesus has authority over everything, we need to know his will for everything. And so where this, brings, where this comes to our personal lives is we have to ask ourselves this very simple question, two simple questions that I wanna talk about tonight. Does Jesus have authority over your opinion? 
Does Jesus have authority over your perspective? Because a lot of times it's not some giant that we see in front of us that's opposing the will of God. A lot of times it's what's happening in here and we don't even realize it. Your opinion, your idea of what's right, your idea of what's good is so many times what's battling against God and his authority in your life. For me, in that situation with that old lady in the random store who thought she saw a dog, my opinion was, this isn't all that important. I want to keep moving. What if God wanted to do something different there? Did, I have, did he have authority over my opinion and my perspective in that moment? And I think we face that more often than we realize. And there are some specific issues that I want to touch on tonight. And I know a lot of us have been thinking about these. We've been talking about these. Um, and I think that it's important that we address them, but from the proper perspective. And so a lot of times I don't talk about what's going on in the news, or I haven't, because I've wanted us to have a proper understanding of who God is, of our theology, our understanding of God, of doctrine, what we can actually believe about God, what he actually says, because that's what's most important in our lives, and that's how we can interpret a lot of these symptomatic issues that we're facing. And I think one of the you know, unfortunate things that we see a lot um, from a, a lot of preaching platforms and stuff is uh, so many times we're just addressing the symptoms and we don't address the root because the root is uncomfortable. A lot of times the root is Jesus just doesn't have authority in your life. And that's why you're facing a lot of the symptoms that you're facing, but we want to see comfort for the symptoms without addressing the root. And the root is that Jesus just doesn't have authority in your life. And that's why there's no authority over your situation. But if we give Jesus authority over everything like he deserves, like we say we're doing when we call him our savior and our Lord, if we actually give him that authority, a lot of times we will see the result of his authority in our lives, like David saw in his life. Because David didn't learn that God was king and had authority when he got to Goliath. He had learned that long before and exercised it when he got there. And so, does God, does Jesus have authority over your perspective and your opinion on the government? Quiet. Do we seek his opinion and his perspective on the government? Because scripture says that the government is upon his shoulders. And more specifically, in Romans, he says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Some of y'all just got real uptight. But the reality is, and that's not the only thing that scripture says about these things. We're going to dive into this. We're going to learn a little bit more about God's perspective. But 
Is there space in your heart and in your mind for what God really has to say, or are you just gonna wait to see if God agrees with you? Because if so, he's not Lord and he doesn't have authority over your life. And not all who say, Lord, Lord, know him. If you enter into a kingdom, you're under the domain of the king. And so if the king gives an order and you disobey that order, you would probably expect to be held accountable. This is what we have to understand, that it's a very simple concept. Jesus is saying, I'm king, and so my perspective goes, I have freedom to decide. And he is rightfully king over what he created. He rightfully has authority over what he created. And he's saying, government instituted by him. Does he say the government does everything right? No. Does he say you should agree with everything that the government is doing? No. But he does say that you should submit to the authority that's placed over you. Quiet. (laughs) Issues of social justice. This is something that's plaguing our nation right now, plaguing our world right now. But what is Jesus seeing when he's seeing these things from an eternal perspective? Are we looking at things from an eternal perspective? Because Hebrews 10 says, we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So what is Jesus seeing in these situations? Something that unfolded very recently was this situation with Amber Geiger, where she's a female police officer of Caucasian descent, kills an unarmed African-American man sitting in his living room, thinking it's her apartment and that he's an intruder, but she walks into his apartment. This has caused outrage, it's, it's, it's difficult to digest. It's horrific. I mean, just took this guy's life. What is our perspective you know, on this? One, she went to court, was found guilty. Um, but then, interesting, this uproar starts because the brother of the victim forgives her tells her to give her life to Jesus and gives her a hug. And there's been this uproar on social media about whether we should forgive or not. The world does not operate under the authority of Jesus. Jesus says that the measure with which you forgive is the measure with which you will be forgiven. This is the order of the king. This is the same Jesus who hung on a cross, beaten, bloodied, tortured, and beaten beyond recognition, as the Bible says. And what does he say? Forgive them, Father, they know not what they're doing. This is the king you're serving. This is the king who's making these decrees. The judge puts her job on the line because Amber asks her, do you think there's still a purpose for my life? She says, yes, absolutely. 
She says, do you believe that God will forgive me? Judge says, yes, absolutely. Amber says, I don't even have a Bible. I don't know where to start. The judge goes in the back, gets her Bible. Her Bible, because she had one. At work, comes back, gives her the Bible, opens it up, starts explaining scripture to her on live television. Not everybody documented it, but this is what was taking place. The invasion of the kingdom of God, even in a horrific circumstance. So you have to ask yourself, what is Jesus seeing in these situations? Jesus is seeing the invasion of the kingdom. Jesus is seeing the kingdom coming. He's seeing restoration. He's seeing a Christian doing what Christ said to do. He's seeing someone store up eternal rewards, facing persecution, facing attacks, being called horrific names by the public. Why? Because the public is the public and the world is the world. But Jesus is Jesus and Jesus is king. And she knew that. But does God care about these issues? Well, if we look at scripture, which I wish more of us would, before we air out our opinions and our thoughts, and before we form our perspective, if we would dig in the scripture, if we believe that Jesus was king, if we believe that his perspective was above ours, if we gave him authority over our perspective before we formed one, we would serve much better as followers of him. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you want to pronounce it, the second chapter. Now, a lot of you guys know, write the vision and make it plain. If you read past that, it says, woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. Woe is a warning against judgment from God. Woe, be warned to him who builds his house by unjust gain setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Isaiah 10 says, woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. So the same Jesus that tells you that you need to be subject to the government and tells you what you need to do also expresses what he plans to do. And this is why scripture tells us to pray for all people. Because we saw it says it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And if you saw, one of the things that shook me about the story of Daniel's and the, Daniel and the lion's den, a lot of us know like the elementary school version. Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel is falsely accused, set up by a group of people. Set up so that he would be killed. He then breaks the law by following God because they made following God illegal. 
He gets thrown into a lion's den, a den of lions. A stone is put over it. He survives. He says, God closed the mouths of the lions and they couldn't eat me. Why? Because God had authority, right? The king comes, gets him up out of there and says, your God must be the real God. Do you know what happens after that? The guys who accused him and their entire families were thrown into the den of lions and were torn apart before they touched the ground. This is what the Bible says. And a lot of you guys are are praying for the Lord to avenge. You don't want the Lord to avenge, really. We have to understand the entire span and the entire breadth of who God says that he is. And that's why he says you actually need to pray for these people. Because I will avenge. But when I avenge, it's not like how you avenge. But this is the same God who died for all people so that we could be forgiven for our sins. But he says that there will be a day of reckoning. There will be a day of judgment. So I have to close out. But um, (laughs) I want to leave us with just a few points. What are we supposed to do? God says what he's going to do. What are we supposed to do? One, you point people to Jesus. You point people to Jesus. After Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he says, therefore, go and make disciples. He doesn't say go and fix all the problems of the world. He says, all authority. I've been given authority over everything. I can control anything I want to. I have the power to make any decision I want to. I have the right to act as I please. Therefore, go and tell people to follow me. That's our responsibility. Jesus, fully aware of the issues of the world, tells us to go make disciples. Why? Because that's the actual solution. The the answer to Amber Geiger, I'm glad that justice is served and, you know, we, we have to pay the penalty for our crimes. But at the end of the day, there's an eternal thing happening and there was a battle for her soul taking place in that courtroom. Not just a battle for a prison sentence but a a battle for a soul, a battle for an eternal destination, an eternal relationship, whether she would be reconciled with her creator, just like he's offered you the opportunity to. Just like you ask him to forgive you, she needs forgiveness. She needs relationship with Jesus. And that's what we're here to do. We are not the judge, but we're to point her to the one who has the right to judge and has offered us access to his grace. Second, we're to live like Jesus. We point people to Jesus, and then we live like Jesus. Represent him. Second Corinthians says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Why? So that you can properly represent him. He is making an appeal to the world through you and through your life. But if he doesn't have authority in your life, he can't be properly represented. An ambassador goes into a foreign land representing the place where he's from. You have been sent into the world representing the kingdom that you are a part of. And your life should be a representation of the culture of the kingdom of God. Your life should be a representation of who the king is. 
So even though you live in a foreign land and even though you live in a foreign culture and even though that culture is pressing against you and telling you to bow, that's what Daniel was facing, actually. You know what the, the law was that he broke? Not bowing to an idol and praying to God. Being an ambassador of the kingdom of God in a kingdom of darkness. And sometimes there are hefty prices to pay for that, but when you know who's in authority, you know who will have your back and you want Jesus to have your back. So when you seek to point people to him and when you seek to live like him, he will come through. Amen? Amen. So I'm gonna close out. I want us to go back to where we started. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I think as we're, as we're hearing this, the question really is for ourselves personally that we have to ask ourselves, and I actually think it's something that we have to ask ourselves repeatedly you know, as a Christian, because we can just so easily veer away and steer away, is does Jesus have absolute authority in my life? Does Jesus have absolute authority in your life? And there's gonna be a variety of answers in this room. Some people are maybe far away from God, maybe came in here not knowing Jesus, maybe Jesus had no authority in your life. And you're seeing now, I need Jesus. But maybe you've been walking with God for a long time. But undoubtedly, there is an area in your life or there are areas in your life where this is a battle, where this is a struggle because we all face it. And so I wanna give us all an opportunity tonight to to make that decision, to, to offer Jesus authority, to give him authority. He says that not all who say I have authority will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father, only those who live like I have authority in their lives, only the ones who give me authority in their lives will enter into the kingdom of God. And so I wanna remind you tonight that this is not about a religion, this is not about a rule book. This is not about a philosophy, but this is about a kingdom. And the God who is reigning is the God who created you, the God who loves you. And so if you're in here tonight, if you are in here tonight and you say, Jesus has not been Lord of my life. I have not had a relationship with him. I have not established him as the leader of my life, as the authority of my life, and as the savior of my soul. I wanna give you an opportunity tonight to make that decision. And what we've been doing over the past few weeks is we've been making this a celebration, not a, not a private decision. Jesus says, those who acknowledge me in front of men, I will acknowledge in front of my Father in heaven. The king who sits on the throne will acknowledge his relationship with you. If you acknowledge, your relationship with him. But he says, those who deny me in front of man, I will deny in front of my father in heaven. And so what we've been doing is 
we've been offering an opportunity to make a decision and to make a public decision as we celebrate because heaven rejoices as children are restored to their father in heaven. And so we as children of the most high God will rejoice with those who make that decision. And so I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, if you want to make Jesus king of your life, we are here with you, we are encouraging you, and it is the best decision that you could ever make. But it's the most important decision that you could ever make. And you have to understand that even not making a decision is making a decision. And so when I count to three, if you are saying, I want Jesus and I want Jesus now, I want you to stand to your feet and we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna go crazy. And then I wanna pray a prayer with you. One, two, three. I see you. Stand up proudly. Stand up proudly. Come on. This is your time. 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 Heaven is rejoicing right now. Heaven is rejoicing right now. I want this moment to sink in for you because a lot of times we can try to make this decision in our head where nobody's watching. And then when we leave here, it leaves with us. You are making a public decision in front of a bunch of believers that Jesus is King. And we believe that Jesus is King. So I wanna pray a prayer with you. One, I wanna encourage you and say, I'm so proud of you. And God is proud of you and God is smiling. God is alive, man. God is alive and God is watching and God is smiling and God wants to restore you, wants to grow you in your knowledge of him, wants to teach you about who he is, wants to know you and wants you to know him. And I'm just so excited for you starting that journey. If you'll pray this prayer with me and every believer in the room, if you'll pray with us. I just feel the need, I'm sorry. I feel like there's still there's still somebody. There's still somebody. And we want to celebrate you. There's still somebody. Yep, I see you. I see you. I see you. Don't let this moment pass. Don't let this moment pass. That's two. That's two. We celebrate you. We're on your side. We're proud of you. We see you. It's two more people. It's a huge deal. If you'll pray this prayer with me, everybody. Jesus, I thank you. And I believe that you are God that you came to earth and you died so that I could live. You resurrected 
to show your power over death. And I receive your forgiveness of my sins. I vow to turn from my old life and to follow you for the rest of my days. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want to hear from you. And I establish you as the authority in my life and the savior of my soul. I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just made that decision, we actually want to connect with you. There's one more step that I'm asking for you to do. The Bible tells us to connect with one another, to pray with one another so that we can be healed. And you cannot do this journey on your own. This is not a solo mission. You are joining a family. You are joining a body. And so we want to give you the opportunity before everybody leaves for just a few moments, if you'll go to that back door where Pastor Tay is standing and my beautiful wife, Gabrielle. I'll be over there in a moment after we close out. We wanna dismiss you first so that you can go connect. We wanna connect with you and we wanna give you some next steps to take. So if you'll go, we'll cheer you on just for a few moments. Go ahead and make that move. celebrate you. If you'll all stand to your feet, I actually want to pray with all of you because I know this message was not just for people who just met Jesus. We take time to celebrate what God is doing, but there are some of you who already had salvation, but you needed a restored perspective and you need to tell God today that he has authority in your life. So I wanna pray with you, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I just thank you for being here with us, Lord, and giving us your word, Lord, helping us to understand who you are. And Lord, I pray for everyone in attendance here, Lord, that we would listen to the words that you are saying that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, that we would understand what you're saying and that we would live it out. Lord, we just invite you to sit on the throne of our hearts again in every circumstance, in every situation, in every area where we find ourselves doubting, Lord, we just establish your throne in that area and we give you authority, Lord. We give you lordship. We say you are king and you are good Lord, we receive your love, we receive your grace, we receive your affirmation, we receive your sonship. And we thank you that you have adopted us into your family and gathered us into your kingdom. Lord, we love you, we worship you, and we bless you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. 
we're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.